What'd you do? You went and bought some yarn and some and some needles? Yeah, and then my friend Leah taught me how to do it. So I didn't buy anything. She just gave me stuff. Oh, she just gave it to you? Yeah. Are you any good? What have you made? Well, there's two main types of stitches, a knit and a purl, and I can only do a knit. Yeah, I you I don't know anything. I knew I can't believe I knew the word needles. I can. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna reveal me as perhaps stupid. So you take this needle, the needles, uh-huh. string on one, string on the other. No. Then you then you do this motion. You dig We're with on your a hands. Podcast. I'm sh- I'm explaining it. You kind of dig together with your hands, and then you just do it real fast, and then a scarf comes yep, out. That's it. Like how do you? <laughs> how do you? It's like a series of knots. Okay. So, so think of it like that. Okay. So you go. How do you go from tying a bunch of knots to it becoming a scarf? We well, have to learn how to knit. But but what is knitting? I, okay, I'll show you sometime. If you're a knitter, please write in and explain to me the physicality of knitting. Because it doesn't make any sense in my head and in movies and in cartoons. It's just you just go and suddenly there's a scarf. Right. I know. I used to think it was just clacking needles together. <laughs> yeah, what's the middle part? It's like you wrap the yarn and then you go in and out oh. and then you, yeah. It's a whole thing. It's honestly, it's not that fun. I don't like it that much. But it's supposed to be very calming, no? Yeah, but for whatever reason, I, I, it like kind of hurts me to do. And then I always have to push down on the needle and that hurts my thumb. I think oh. I'm doing it poorly. No, 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 no. I have anything that you're doing that, that uses a different muscle is going to hurt. Like when I play guitar, I, well, I'm learning guitar. And if I play for like more than an hour, like it hurts. Because my arm is still getting used to, like, moving You can play way. a whole hour without it hurting? Well, it, it uh, yeah, it starts to hurt. I'm not, like, playing a whole hour uninterrupted. I'm mostly just playing Boulevard of Broken Dreams over and over again <laughs> uh, at varying levels of skill and capability until my neighbors go, we can't fucking hear any more Green Day. Yeah, I feel that way 10 seconds into Green Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I don't get to choose what songs I'm learning. Really? Uh, no. Well, uh, no. I mean, I did learn some of my partner's songs. It was like a little surprise for them. Oh, that's so cute. It was cute. very cute. Yeah. Um, so I did play some of their songs in a little video, and then I sent it to them, and they barely recognized it. But still. You did it. I did it. And then I was joking. I was like, so w- at what point will you take me on tour with you? I can play two of your songs very badly. <laughs> Probably soon. I know, right? I'm available. <laughs> this is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. Isn't that the level of like arrogance you expect from me that I've learned two songs poorly and I'm like ready to go on the road? <laughs> <laughs> you know, bravado. Let's say bravado yeah. instead of arrogance. I was just like... Uh, if anyone needs a really poorly played version of Radioactive by Imagine Dragons, I got I got you. Oh what kind of taste does your guitar teacher Apparently have? those are songs that are easy to play. Yeah. Ask to learn um, One Headlight by the Wallflowers. Oh, I do love that song. That's the first song I learned on the guitar. I do love that song. Yeah. No, that- I guess the first song I learned was Wonderwall. You gotta. You gotta learn that. You gotta. And I feel it- like we say this every episode, so let's move That on. you have to play Wonderwall? Yep. We have never talked about Wonderwall Tamika, on this show. have we? We have. We talked about Wonderwall yeah, because specifically. you bring up your guitar all the time, and then I go, oh, when I learned guitar, I played Wonderwall. What do you think a Wonderwall is? Um, I think it's a wall that you have to jump over to get to heaven. Did you just make that up? Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. Okay. Well, this week, we are going to ask comic book writer Greg Pak some tough questions, none of which will be, what's a Wonderwall? <laughs> and later, we'll be discussing bucket lists. Do we have them? What are they? What's on them? Is one of them to jump over the Wonderwall? Now it is, baby. <laughs> but first, hit it. International question. International question. International question. Jen Chile. We get a lot of questions from Chile. Do we? I think so. We got one email that was just someone asking me not to yell the international song anymore. Oh, you know what? Turn it down. You know it's coming, so turn it down. I don't get 
affected by comments that often, but that one hurt. Just just lower it. Also, just imagine, like, in any other format, you sent an email and was like, just don't do the thing that you do on your show. <laughs> because of my ears. I, that's the whole internet, Allison. I know. It's just people making requests that are like, just do this to make me feel better. So Jen from Chile says that she waited till marriage to have sex, and I don't like it. So yep. a bit more <clears throat> info. Okay. Basically, that sums it up. We're in our early 30s and waited till marriage to have sex because it was important to us. It's been a month later and penetration still hasn't happened because I feel so much pain. Oh, no. He's really patient and not pushy at all, so we've been having fun doing other stuff, hand jobs, massages, etc. But I don't think I like sex very much, and it's putting a toll on things. Oh, no. Thing is, I used to masturbate quite often, and I thought I was going to love real sex. But reaching orgasm with someone feels like an impossible task. Also, guys are so easy, but I feel like I take forever to come. And who has the time? Anyway, I'm a little desperate, so any help would be appreciated. Oh, man. I would like to start by redefining sex. Please. So I think that it is a very harmful, heteronormative belief that sex is just penis in a vagina. (laughs) Speak on it. Speak on it. Um, I would argue that all of those intimate things that you are doing together and having fun with is also sex. Yes. Hell yes. Uh, We have too much focus on genitals and what genitals are touching what genitals and what is and and we've decided that one set of genitals touching another set of genitals in this specific way is not even touching thrusting thr- is is inserting sex. that's sex that's the only thing that counts as sex nope no way no. sorry you you heard it here first we call foul everything is sex <laughs> <laughs> if you hold hands sex, sex. <laughs> <laughs> okay point is what you are already doing is sex. Okay, we've got to unpack a lot of things here. So one is going to just be the fact that you waited until you were 30 to have sex, which probably means that you've been thinking about it for a long time. You've built right? it up so way too much. you built it up in your head. You have this idea of what it's supposed to be. You thought that, like, bam, bam, thank you, ma'am. It was going to be incredible. You saw a movie where a guy just thrust up into a girl. There was no preparation. And then everybody came in two seconds at right. the exact same time. And there was no loop. Yeah, Gabby likes to make sure that everyone has lube. Please, remember when, I, remember when I was on such a lube kick? Get lube, everyone. Are you off it? I just haven't talked about it in so long. <laughs> I forgot that I used to be like Ma- Madam Lube. <laughs> okay, so basically, for most women, honestly, a majority of women aren't even good at orgasm from penetrative sex. Nope. But I also really need to address what's happening because of the pain. Yes. So this is a little different than like, oh, just penetrative sex isn't working for me, which is honestly a lot of women. A lot of, yeah. The pain thing isn't great. I understand that that's probably super frustrating and upsetting. I think you need to see a doctor. Yes. Uh, I think that there's a, a couple of different things that could be happening here. Endometriosis, uh, vaginismus. There's there's things that could be physically wrong. I also had a friend who honestly, her opening was just too small. And she had to have like a surgery to sort of like make that work so that she could wow. have sex and That's like be easier inserting a tampon and et cetera. Oh, okay. So I, I, you probably might be a little uncomfortable going to a doctor about this, uh, but it's worth it. Yeah. Um, I would recommend a female gyno if you are like more nervous nervous talking about it. This is what they see all day long. This is their job. Um, so I would go in and I would um, – talk to them. I'm also curious, like, have you been able to have a pap smear? Yeah. Have you gone to, because just because you're not sexual, you weren't like penetratively sexually active doesn't mean that you shouldn't have been seeing a gyno. So there could be a a good reason to even just go get a checkup now that this has changed. Right. And if like you are able to have a pap smear without pain or excruciating pain, pap smears suck, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Pain versus discomfort. If you are able to use a tampon, you know, some of it might be more psychological Mm -hmm. which is that like you have um you've put a lot of pressure on yourself yourself. if you are anxious when it's happening your your muscles are going to tighten up and therefore it might be more painful so there's like a lot there and in no way am i saying you know one month into marriage you give up on penetrative sex yes and also we're in no way saying that not liking penetrative sex is like now now your sex life is done it's over no you can't like people don't like various things there's two types of advice i'm giving 
one is the medical. Let's figure out the painful thing. See yeah. a doctor, work through that. If if they say that there's nothing physically there, then I think that maybe there's something to potentially seeing a sex therapist or mm-hmm. working on like relaxation techniques um, mm-hmm. ahead of time. I love weed. Uh, right, right. <laughs> you know, but then the other avenue is get it out of your head that that's what sex is. Yes. And also recognize that if it turns out that you do have a medical condition where maybe penetrative sex is off the table. Right. Which is true for some women. Right. That's not the end of the world. And your partner's just going to have to adapt with you. Yeah. I mean, there's so much other stuff that you can do. I uh, I will also say that I'm a cis woman. My partner is a transmasculine person. And there's no, like, it's been so freeing to be in a, a queer relationship in this way because there's no guidebook. There's no, like, this is sex. This person humps on me for five minutes, comes, <laughs> and then I lay there and go, when is it my turn? Like, and the things that you are, you're saying you're doing, which is like hand jobs and like other fun stuff, that's the whole kit and caboodle for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's not like, th- there's no guidebook. There's no media representation. There's no like plan for like when this is the case for like a, uh, two cis people heterosexual couple and that's so unfortunate and it makes you feel like what you're doing like isn't good enough or like isn't up to snuff or whatever and that's so wrong also let me tell you something okay so the reason that you can come when you masturbate and not with another person is uh is a a, a mechanical thing where perhaps you're not um showing your partner what exactly you want done to you because Uh, You don't want to hurt their feelings or you like feel like bad. Like, well, it should be obvious. They should know what to do. And if we're compatible, we should automatically be doing the most amazing stuff to each other just by like telepathy. Not so. You need to be like giving directions. You need to be saying like, this is what I do when I'm alone. This is like, even just like show him what you do when you're alone. Also, keep doing it when you're alone. Like you say, I used to masturbate quite often. Like, why have you stopped? Yeah. And then even if it's like, you know, he just hangs out in the corner while you do it and he gets, sees what you do and gets like some ideas from that. Um, But also there's this other thing, which is that like the idea of like taking forever to come. Now let's break that down. Uh, For people with vulvas and vaginas, it's this thing of like, oh my God, they take forever. It takes so long. It's like, you know, and then you, you oftentimes get in your head where you're like, I'm taking too long. The other person's bored, blah, blah, blah. Every time I've thought that when I've been like, I'm so sorry, are you bored? The other person's not bored. They're not (laughs) bored. And it's like a self-esteem thing. It comes from like you you being like, there's no way that, I mean, at least in my case, you get this idea of like, well, there's no way anybody could possibly be having a good time having sex with me. So I got to get this over with. And like that is the least conducive conditions to you finishing. Uh, Also, who has the time? Have you ever watched a show on Netflix? People have time. Yeah, there's, that's 30 (laughs) minutes, baby. Right. Uh, But like also you have to trust that your partner wants to be there. And, like, it's not just about penetrative sex where this person comes and then that's the end. There could be an entire session of y'all having sex where you're just getting fingered and then you, and then you're, you come and that's it. And, and then this whatever person can do whatever he does. But, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you have to redefine, like, who it's centered on, who it's focused on. Why are you uncomfortable? Why is it not okay when it's focused on you? Why can't you... You know what I mean? Like, and and that's something that you have to talk to your partner about. That's something that you guys have to like really communicate about and like trust. You have to trust that like he is having a good time. And this is because like I'll be like, oh, well, they're not nothing's happening to them. So they're bored. And then my partner was like, are you bored when you're fucking me? And I'm like, no, I'm not bored at all. And they're like, right. So why would I be bored? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, right. But it's like it's like a self. It's like a thing that you can totally get into a spiral in your head and then it like makes it impossible to come. So I totally get that. And also all TV and movies is always about male pleasure. Yeah. I mean, and finishing. Now, now we're seeing some stuff. I'm I'm seeing more scenes of men going down on women yeah. to like be edgy. But like <laughs> <laughs> and, and a focus on finishing. I have a friend right now who's um, going through some gender stuff and they're hooking up with a lot of people, but they're not, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, the sex was amazing. We had a great time. Nobody came. And it's like, yeah, because you're kind of exploring, you're going through this gender thing or whatever. And like at a certain point, you just, they just like have done a bunch of stuff and then they stop and they like hang out and cuddle or watch a movie. And like, there's no, the, there should be a, a more emphasis on sex where it's not just like rushing to a finish line. Mm-hmm. And 
it's great that your partner is patient and isn't pushy. And so, like, trust in him mm-hmm. to be able to talk about this stuff. And to, like, you know, you can either do some work by yourself ahead of time or you can just, like, involve him and bring him to the doctor with you and make mm-hmm. it a partnership mm-hmm. and, you know, like, share share what you're feeling. Um, so the thing is, is that it's not that you don't like sex. is that is that you don't like this one particular act. And that you're figuring out... Why you're and you're gonna figure out why your body is responding that way. Yeah, and but figure out what works for you and, figuring out and what him. Works for you. And and uh, like, there's not, I don't know. There's just so many other sex acts. It's kind of mind blowing to me, having gotten out of the the heteronormativity realm, where I'm like, oh yeah, like this is so people like this is not the one thing. This whole idea of like virgin till marriage. It's like, what does that even mean? Well, Gabby. <laughs> all right enough 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 (laughs) hopefully that helps jen take some pressure off of yourself and just enjoy the ride and the massages and the hand jobs and fingering and all the other fun stuff genitals are are its own complex mess and like don't don't worry about doing what everybody else is doing yeah you're in your 30s that's the whole thing you don't have to care anymore please don't give a (laughs) shit about what anyone else is doing that's the best part if you want to submit your international questions, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we've got a juicy interview with our highly esteemed guest, comic book writer Greg Pak. Stick around and stick it wherever you want to stick it. Or don't. Or don't. <laughs> Just between us. Hey! Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. Uh, today we have Greg Pack, who is a comic book writer and um, someone who I met on a comic book panel. Hello, Greg. <laughs> hello, hello. Is that your normal introduction that you once met Gabby Dunn on a comic book yeah. panel? Yep, yep, yep. Wherever I go, that is, uh, that's, that's how I introduce myself. It, that's what I tell people, and they're all like, awesome! And, uh, <laughs> and it's a great icebreaker. So. I believe it. So, okay, so can you, can you tell our audience like, a little bit about what you do and what you write? I am a, uh, a, a comic book writer and a filmmaker. I, um, back in the day, I, I, I made a movie called Robot Stories, uh, which is probably the movie I'm best known for. I moved sideways into comics, and I've been writing, gosh, over the past 16 years, I've written, I, I, I've been keeping track, and I think I'm up to 536 comic books. Wow. Yeah, it's a little nuts. So um, I'm probably best known in the comics world for writing Planet Hulk, which was a big storyline that uh, eventually got parts of it got adapted into the Thor Ragnarok movie. Nice. Um, uh, I'm also, uh, let's see, in terms of um, creator-owned work, I'm probably best known for Mech Cadet U and Ronan Island, which are two uh, uh, comic book series that have come out uh, through Boom. Um, in fact, that's, I, we, that's, that's what we were... Uh, on the panel with, uh, are talking about, I think back in the, back when, and then, um, and then I, I've, I'm writing, uh, Darth Vader for, uh, Marvel right now and Firefly for Boom as well. Oh yeah. And then I'm also writing, uh, some Stranger Things books for, um, for, uh, for Dark Horse. Wow. You don't have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm mostly just, you know, hanging out, eating bonbons, you know, right, uh, of course. watching TV, you know. Uh, it's been it's been a little nutty actually the, the last couple of years. I've, uh, things come up and you cannot say no. I, I have zero reason for complaint because it's a it's a beautiful place to be. But um, yeah, I I, I, uh, I got a few offers that I just you know I literally could not say no to like Stranger Things and Star Wars and uh, and Firefly were all just like incredible incredible things to be able to do. And then, uh, and then, and then I'm, I'm kind of in a sweet spot where I'm finally, uh, got, um, you know, more creator owned books going, which is, which is something that I've wanted to do forever. And, uh, and boom has been a great place to do those. So it's, it's been, it's been sweet. So we wanted to talk a little bit about, right. The difference between working for someplace like Marvel or, um, something that is created already like stranger things versus uh yeah. the the creator owned books so like what's the difference to you in terms of like working on that kind of stuff well on one level um there's no difference in the sense that in order to write something well i kind of have to fall in love with it the same way you know what i mean like i i have to give it everything i've got and i have to dig deep and figure out you know i'm asking all the same questions like what's going on 
like what's what's the emotional point of the story? You know, why why does this story matter? Why why do I care? And and um and find that that special something that I'm bringing to the table that that no one else could. You know what I mean? Like and that that sounds arrogant, but I think that's you know as a as storytellers or as creators, we have to have that, you know, that, that faith that we are bringing something that no one else could do. You know, when you're doing work for hire work, um, you, there, you've got this amazing gift in that you are, uh, you like, you know, if you're working on star Wars or stranger things or, or, or one of these kinds of, uh, kinds of things, you're getting, um, you're getting stuff that works. You know what I mean? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're getting, you're getting proven characters, proven dynamics, a proven environment and a proven fan base. And that is amazing. Um, so, you know, like when I started uh, working on Firefly, I almost felt like I was cheating because those characters, I mean, the, the big Firefly is the, uh, it's the Joss Whedon uh, sci-fi Western show that, that um, was infamously canceled after one season and has an incredible dedicated fan base that has, uh, that, that, that is still thriving after however many, I think, well, I think it's been like 14, 14 years now. I was going to say, 13, if you're listening years. to this JB and you don't know what Firefly is, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck off this one. I'm just kidding, listeners. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But um, so so the show's big hallmark was that um, just the amazing characters and the character dynamics. I mean, it's this you know it's a it's a ragtag band of um, of outcasts who who kind of come together and drive each other crazy. And it's all you know it's all about you know found family and those you know kind of love them hate them conflicts and all that kind of great stuff. And um and all those characters they talk too much. They're they're hilarious. They're fun. You put any two of them together in a room and and a scene forms because they've got uh, such great, um, so such clearly defined motives and motivations and backstories. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to come up with any of that. Yeah. I, yeah. So, so it felt like cheating, you know what I mean? In a way, but at the same time, then you've got this huge challenge in work for hire stuff, um, particularly stuff that is that with a, uh, where continuity matters, which is frankly, everything these days. Um, you've got this enormous challenge of finding out where the hell you can tell a story, you know, (laughs) where, where can you place a story in this ongoing narrative um, and have it be a story that actually matters, you know, that people feel like they care about. And so sometimes there are things that are just not in your control. You know, you can have the very best idea for a story in mind and you can pitch it and then, you know, you'll get a cryptic message back from the uh, from the rights holders, and you realize they're already doing that somewhere. You know, what yeah. I mean? uh, or like, I mean, what is it like dealing with like the fan base of something existing, right? So, like, are you like, oh my god, the fans are going to hate this, and I'm going to be I'm going to be blacklisted and in big trouble on the internet? Well, you know, I mean, that's you know, of course that's uh, you know that's that is uh, you know, there's 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 some of that fear at the same time. If you're going to do this kind of stuff, you just got to you got to believe in what you're doing and you have to do the groundwork necessary to know what the deal is and and understand the material well enough that you can have the confidence that, yes, I'm going to tell a story. Uh, you know, I love this material as much as anybody on the planet. And and this is going to be an awesome story. And, and I'm working with these with all the other people who really know the material. And they also think this is an awesome story and we're just going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to commit to it and make it awesome. We're doing a Darth Vader book right now, which um, hits this sweet spot right after Empire Strikes Back. And in Empire Strikes Back, we all remember, you know, Luke, spoiler alert, um, Luke Skywalker gets his hand chopped off and Darth Vader's, I'm your father. And Luke's like, no, and he drops down into the giant pit and, uh, and, um, and he's wrecked and, and we're sort of following Luke in that moment. And that's, that's the story, you know, he, cause Luke is, you know, the, the, main the, character. the big four. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, um, in this Darth Vader book, we're looking at that from Vader's perspective mm-hmm. and it's a huge moment for Vader. Cause we, we all watched this stuff when we were kids and we're, we're just like, Vader's a bad guy. This is, you know, he's scary and awesome and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when you go back and look at it again and again, you, you realize the whole epic is the tragedy of Darth Vader. I mean, that's the way right. George Lucas has described it. And, um, and so that moment in empire, when, you know, it's it, as traumatic as it is for Luke, it's also, you know, in a strange, disturbing, dark way, incredibly traumatic for Vader right. because Vader in that moment, you know, like he says, you know, he, he's talking about the, uh, you know, he says, you know, that, that he and Luke will overthrow the emperor and they'll, they'll rule together, you know, and this is Vader who's been serving the emperor the whole time. So he's, 
really going out on a limb there. And then when you watch all of the, you know, when, you, when you've got all those movies in your head, including the prequels, you realize there are these incredible parallels between Luke saying no to Vader and Padme saying no to, to Anakin, you know, and, and even Anakin losing his mother. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every time he loves somebody or every time he reaches out to somebody in that kind of emotional way, it all goes to hell. I mean, partly because he's, you know, his way of reaching out is to say, hey, why don't we rule the emperor? Right. The it's not the together. best, but there's an emotional not, thing that I think everybody yeah. could connect to, which is just like rejection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So long story short that, that, you know, like, and and this is, I mean, the Star Wars people were amazing because they gave us this little place to play, you know, which Mm -hmm. is not, you know, which is not something that that's being explored elsewhere right now. And so that really set us up to to tell a really cool story that feels like it matters, you know, even though these movies, we know how these movies end, right? But there's still these sort of unexplored areas um, and, and that's the trick is to find that unexplored area that, you know, even if you know where the movie ends, this is still really emotionally compelling and, and the stakes still feel high. Yeah. It's really lovely to, to be able to kind of fill in these blanks and like have comics be a place where you can get more in depth than perhaps like movies or TV shows can. Yeah. As someone who doesn't, uh, read comics, I'm sorry to out myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you think, um, like a company that's like involved with Stranger Things would decide to make a graphic novel? Um, Well, there's, I mean, I I just on the, on the business front, there's, you know, if you look at it purely on a dollar level, Mm -hmm. they they can make some money. They license, you know, they, it's a licensing thing. It's, it's, it's ancillary, you know, so they've, they've got the rights to the TV show. Now they can, you know, sell off the rights to do, uh, to do games, to do comics, to do tie-in novels, to do toys. It's, it's another, it's another slot on that ledger that, that helps make them more money. So there, there's that incentive. Um, I think, you know, but, you know, but the amount of money that say, you know, star Wars comics, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not speaking from official knowledge, but, uh, just as a, uh, as a, as a normal human being walking the planet, I think I can deduce that the amount of money <laughs> that they make from comics is pretty minuscule compared to the amount of money they make from, uh, from movies or television, you know, but, but money is money. So that's, that's a plus, but also I think the comics, um, help to keep, uh, these franchises alive, uh, at, at different times. And also to, um, just to kind of keep that fan base excited. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there were, there were many, many years when, uh, there weren't star Wars movies coming up, but there were star Wars comics, you know, right. and right now there's no, there's no firefly TV show or, and there's, uh, and there's been like the one firefly movie serenity, but, but, you know, you see those rumors online that they might be talking about trying to do, to do more, uh, firefly TV shows. That fan base is real. And, yeah. uh, so I imagine that, you know, when they're thinking about, you know, the offer, they're thinking, oh, well, this is a great way to kind of keep that fan base fed and also to test out possibly to test out ideas and see how things go. And but, yeah, to, to kind of, you know, keep the keep keep the keep the material relevant. But then and then the third thing is the comments are cool. people people freaking love comics so we were on a panel talking about representation in comics and and i wrote a comic for boom uh called bury the lead and one thing that i really enjoyed was that because it's not actually casting people because it's um you have more ability to like uh draw different types of people i was able to fill out a cast that was just like queer and diverse and um and able to like fill this world exactly the way i wanted to i felt without like mm-hmm. a casting director or a network sort of telling me what to make people look like um and i know that on that panel you were talking about uh asian representation in comics specifically do you, is that something that appeals to you or how do you how how has that like your you know you putting asian characters into things like how's that felt Oh yeah, it's. I mean, I love comics uh, for many reasons, but that is absolutely one of the big reasons that I love comics dearly. Um, I, you know, I come out of film. I uh, well, I mean, I, I the first thing I ever did was draw. You know, in terms of storytelling and stuff. Like, you know, I was home and dug through old papers and found like basically comic books I'd done when I was five or six years old and stuff. And but um, but I went to film school. I became a filmmaker and a screenwriter and. Uh, and I made this movie, Robot Stories, and I, and I made a ton of short films as well. And throughout, you know, throughout film school, while doing all those short films, and also with my movie, Robot Stories, um, it was always important to me to put, to cast in a way that reflected the world in which we live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm biracial. I'm half Korean and half white. I've always identified as Asian American. 
Um, and, uh, and it's always been important to me to get, uh, Asian, uh, characters. Um, I mean, it's, it's been important to me to get all kinds of different characters up on screen and, and, uh, into the books I write, you know, I've, I've had a special, um, interest in, uh, in particular in getting Asian American characters up on screen, non-stereotypical Asian American characters with robot stories. Um, this was a film, it was a sci-fi film. It didn't have anything explicitly to do with race, although you could, you could look at it and see all kinds of subtext there, I'm sure. But, and it was, it was cast, you know, with primarily Asian American leads and it did great in its sort of tiny way. You know, it won like, you know, played in something like 75 film festivals. It won, God, I think 35 different awards uh, during that festival run. But I remember talking to a distributor, you know, who'd come to a screening and all that. And the distributor, like, I mean, he just said this, just, he just said it to, to me and my producer. And he said, um, that it felt like watching a foreign movie to him. It was, but everybody oh was speaking English. Oh my God. Ah. You know, and this was back, in, this was in 2002, right? You yeah. know, but still this was in 2000, it was two, it was, it was this millennium. You right. Know? Um, so, so this, this kind of, uh, that kind of attitude is still real. That's still out there. Even in, you know, even in this age of crazy rich Asians and everything else that's, that's been possible, that kind of attitude is still there. But back in the day, it was, I think that was the primary attitude, you know, like, like there was nobody believed that an Asian or Asian American movie could make money. And, you know, the only outlier was Joy Luck Club and everybody credited that to the fact that it was a best-selling novel. So my film career uh, was always fraught because I had these screen, I had these freaking screenplays that were winning award. Like I, I had a screenplay called Rio Chino, which won the IFP screenwriting award one year. IFP, you know, the, that's one of the most prestige, literally one of the most prestigious indie screenwriting awards you can get. Um, and nothing happened, you know, and it, and it featured a Chinese gunslinger and a Mexican heroine in the old West. Yeah. It's frustrating. I mean, it's incredibly frustrating. You feel like you feel like you're being gaslit in this very strange way where like I'll go into meetings and, and I'll hear, Oh, well, queer movies don't make money because there's not enough people like that who want to see this or something. And I'm like, well, but wait, I see queer people everywhere. Like, what do you mean? It's you feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's particularly ridiculous because back in the 90s, you know, back when I was in film school, queer independent movies, those were the movies that were making money. You know what I mean? Like if you looked at no budget independent movies, it was movies like Go Fish and, and other movies like that that were that were knocking it out of the park. There was an audience. Right. But the mainstream wasn't catching on. In comics, you have an ability to do different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the stakes are lower, right? I mean, like the the amount of money involved is smaller. So people are more willing to take risks, I think, you know? And um, so, you know, from the minute I got into comic, like my first comic was this, was a revival of Warlock, classic Marvel cosmic character. And I, you know, I, I did this whole pitch, which the main character was basically this, uh, this Korean American woman named Jane, uh, named Janie Chin. You know, it was this crazy little mind bender of a story with an Asian American lead. And, um, and, uh, literally no one said anything about it in that, you know, no, like all, all my editors were like, cool. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> and like, that's Marvel. That's huge. It never came up. Like the like there was never that kind of because in any film project around that time, you were sort of dreading the moment where they were like, Do all these characters have to be Asian or do you know, yeah. blah, 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 is it what if this person were, you know, that never came up. You know, and a few years a couple of years later, or I co created Amadeus Cho um with Takeshi Miyazawa, uh, because I was like I had the chance to create this new character for Marvel and um and I was like, Marvel needs a teenaged Asian American male character. There's there's a there there are none. Right. And that's a gap that you can see because you're from that group. Yeah, well, yeah I I guess. Yeah. I mean, yes. I, and um and again, literally no one said they they were all like, Awesome, this sounds great. And um, and that character, you know, took off and, uh, you know, fans appreciated it and all that kind of stuff. But but that so that that's the kind of thing, in my experience, has been easier to happen in comics than in the film and TV world, because you, in comics, if you get three people on your if you get the right three people on your team, you're good to go. You know, in the film in the film business, you got to get 300 people. Right. Um, or, or, or maybe the right one person, but that right one person is never going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the kind of beautiful thing is, that, you know, those characters come out, 
you know, in comics, they prove that there's an audience. And then as time goes on, um, that expands out and those characters pop up in mainstream, you know, in, in the film and television, the products that those companies are putting out. Like Amadeus has, has appeared in, I think, you know, like two different television animated series they've done. And he was in one of the, I think they did a, a made for DVD movie that he was in. And, um, and his mom was in one of those Avengers movies. So who knows, you know, like Aww. knock on wood, eventually he'll show up in one of the movies, you know, for all those reasons, comics has been great. If you're a consumer and you, and you feel like there isn't enough representation in uh, TV and movies, uh, you should take a look at comics and you should take a look at, at indie presses because there's way more room for representation and you're way more likely to find um, something that you can relate to and latch onto in that world. And also when you support those comics, it has a, uh, it a has a multiplier effect. effect. Yeah, totally. Because, because, because these, you know, these comics are being mined for um for film tv games etc cetera, etc cetera. so a comic an indie comic that becomes a hit has an excellent chance or a decent chance of of becoming more and uh and so when you you know like your dollar that goes to an indie comic um has a chance to make a uh, an outsized difference can you speak at all to the process of making a comic and if you are not the animator and what that looks like in that relationship Right. Like, so, um, so I'm, so I'm the writer. So I usually the way, like if it's a work for hire comic, the way it usually works is, um, I'll get a call from an editor who uh, says, Hey, Greg, we're thinking about doing, you know, something with this character. Um, would you like to, are you, are you interested? Would you like to pitch? I, I fully see that this is, you know, I'm in a position of privilege because I've been doing this for a long time. And so I've got some pre-existing, a lot of pre-existing relationships. And so, so I'm, I'm lucky enough to get those kinds of calls, but, um, but, so just that's just the caveat from the beginning. There. Yeah, totally. But uh, but um, but so so if I get a call like that, then and if it if it seems like it makes sense, uh, if it's a character or or a story or whatever or a property that I relate to, then um, then it's like yeah, let's that sounds cool. And then um, and then I you know I I do my research. I you know reread whatever background material I, I need to look at, or I or I watch. Um, whatever, you know, movies or TV shows that it's based on. And I, I think about it and I try to come up with some, you know, like, as we said earlier, some kind of story that uh, does something new, you know, that, mm -hmm. that fits within this world, um, fits, you know, wherever we're allowed to play and bring something special and fun to the table. Um, and then, uh, and then I, and, and then I come back to my editors and I, you know, with, uh, sometimes I just talk to them on the phone. And I'm saying, Hey, this is, you know, what about this? This, seems like a, a way to go. And then if that, if they dig that, like with Firefly, I got on the phone with Janine um, Schaefer, my, my editor, and I was just like pacing in my living room talking about like these ideas in my head. And she was like, that's awesome. But is there, do you have to go in and do like a formal pitch ever? No, no, because, because it's not, uh, comics is not like film and TV where everybody lives in LA. Um, comics it. definitely spread out everybody's spread out all over the place. Right. And, uh, and so it's mostly on the phone. Sometimes it's just all, you know, just through email and stuff. Right. Um, I mean, I'm lucky because I live in New York and I work a lot with Marvel. So, um, so I'm often able to go into the Marvel office. If I'm working on a Marvel book, I can go into the Marvel offices and, and, and yeah, and we do sit down and talk through stuff. It's, but it's not like, I don't go into pitch the way I go into pitch a film or TV thing. Got this it. is another reason why I love comics, by the way, because comics, People, <laughs> film and TV development people are paid just to hear people's pitches. And it doesn't matter if they ever make anything. Right. But comics people want to work. There's no budget to do anything but actually make stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, so if, they're, if, they, if, they, if they are going to take the time to bring you in to talk, to literally bring you in to talk to you about something, they're, gonna, they're making that book. And, you know, there's, you know there, there is a chance that it won't end up panning out. If it's not something that's going to work, that's something that gets worked out usually through phone conversations or through, you know, through emails and all that. And then you realize that, nah, these pitches aren't really going to happen. Sometimes they're talking to multiple people and right. multiple people are pitching, um, which I, I, I try to avoid. I'm, I'm not into round robin pitching because again, nobody in comics has time for that. Wow. Well, yeah. And also you're like, I don't want to hear that. I lost out to, to my friend. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also like, just, you know, it's like, Take the you know, to them one by one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pick somebody you want to work with. Talk to them. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. No harm, no foul. 
then go to the next person. How do they pair you with an artist? Sometimes they already have somebody in mind. Like they, you know, like I definitely have been, you know, like the, like they've already been talking about this book. They already have an artist in mind. And, and uh, by the time I come on board, we, I know who that artist is going to be. Um, like they already know. Um, other times, uh, you know, as we're working on this, we're, we're talking about it. We're trying to figure out an artist that makes sense. And so, I'll, you know, I, I might be able to throw in my two cents and, and, uh, and, and, you know, get, you know, and, and help find the right person. So, yeah. um, which is, which is cool. I found like it matters so much, like who the artist is. I found, I, oh, yeah. it, and like, I also am blown away by, I mean, I was like, okay, my part of writing it was interesting, but like having the pages come back and see the, seeing the other person's vision mm-hmm. is so satisfying and rewarding and like oh, I, yeah, yeah. it's such a collaborative medium where like people will go oh did you draw your book and I'm like uh no fuck no I didn't draw my book like a person way more <laughs> talented than me drew my book yeah and then someone exactly. else colored it and like it's yeah. it's just like this such a collaborative art form there's so many yeah. things that you can like be involved in if you want to be involved in comics there's so many different talents and things you can do and and you know and the uh you know and that art team is so key because you know, and, and different books have different kind of requirements. You know what I mean? If you've got a book that has a lot of humor in it, um, but it's still an adventure book, then you or a, or an action book, then you need somebody who can do all of that. You know, mm-hmm. um, you always you always need an artist who can uh, who can who can sell character, who 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 knows about emotion and body language and all that kind of stuff. If you're doing books that deal with a specific community or a specific kind of experience, right, right. It, it helps a lot to have an artist who knows what's going on with that, you know? Yes. Um, and, and which is not to say that you, you can't, you know, like, I mean, I've had amazing artists from all over the world, like draw some of these books that I'm doing with Asian and Asian American characters. But I also, you know, like I, it, I'm, I'm, you know, like there've been times when I've like put together, you know, a, a big thing of reference for what a Korean dinner looks like. You right, know? right. <laughs> stuff, you know, stuff like that, because those details always matter. You know, on uh, on the Agents of Atlas book, one of the Agents of Atlas books I did with artist Nico Leon. This is a, a book with a team of Asian and Asian American superheroes. Um, <clears throat> Nico is, he's not Japanese, but he lives in Japan. And, um, and he said, you know, in this, in this scene where they're all in their, uh, in their headquarters, I'd, I'd love to do a, you know, do a shot where we're, kind of looking at them over the over the shoulder of their foyer and in the foyer are all their shoes you know like because oh. people take off their shoes when they before they go into their house um and uh, small details you know yeah and it was it was beautiful and people you know and and you know and he 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 did an amazing job with it and and uh readers really responded to it you know and and you know but that's that's you know so when you have artists that are bringing that kind of you know thoughtfulness and and fun to the table it's just it's just it's just amazing yeah totally as the writer are you allowed to give direction to the artist like what does that relationship look like differs from book to book and it's a different creature also with creator own stuff but let's say on a work for hire book editors are similar to old school hollywood creative producers you know like selznicks or whatever you know like folks who they're the ones who get the property they're the ones who hire everybody and they've got a strong idea of what you know they they, they tend to have a strong idea of what what this thing could or should 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 be mm-hmm. but then they're you know, I, but then they're, they're bringing in auteurs who have their own ideas. They're bringing them in because they have those ideas. And in the best of possible worlds, um, everything thrives because, uh, you know, everybody's given the chance to, to give what they have to give. But hey, in those kind of situations, the primary, the editor is the primary uh, focal point through which all the art goes and all of that, all the notes go. On a lot of books, I am CC'd on all the art as it comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I think I used to worry about stuff a lot more. I mean, particularly in my first couple of years, because I was coming out of film and I, I thought I needed to exert more control than I did. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, I was a film director, you know? And so so I wanted to direct stuff. Honestly, if you're doing a comic, you're at best, you're co-directing with your artist. You know what I mean? The like, artist makes a lot of decisions about what things look yeah, like and what each yeah. shot is. I mean, they, yeah, and and the artist the artist is a comic book artist for a reason because as, as specifically a comic book artist as opposed to a an illustrator or you know or or some other kind of artist you know what I mean because because a comic book artist is a storyteller like what makes a comic book artist incredible is the ability to tell stories through sequential stories through individual panels your artist is going to bring all kinds of ideas and all kinds of skill to the table that 
you don't need to micromanage. <clears throat> so as that art comes in, I'm, you know, I look at the layouts and, uh, and I'll chime in if there's something, you know, that got missed that really feels important to the story. Um, uh, and, you know, and definitely I'll like, and, and there's all kinds of things that maybe I'm, I'm the one who's best primed to catch as the person who wrote the script. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there might be a little nuance here and, and you know, and, and that goes, that that's, that that's also in the colors, you know, like there are certain points in the colors where it's like, Oh, actually, you know, like this thing's on fire, you know, like right. you make yeah, it yeah, yeah. On fire. or, you know, I, or whatever it is. What I try not to do is, is give any notes that aren't necessary because as a, as a writer, you know, everybody's worked with folks who try to micromanage you. You know what I mean? Like I, I you know, like I will never say names, but um, you know, and, and I, and I don't hold it against them personally because everybody's just trying to do a good book, but I have, you know, I've worked on certain projects where, you know, I, I, I couldn't breathe, you know yeah. what I mean? Because, uh, you know, and, and you don't do your best work that way because then when you're, when you need to be just kind of free and, and finding the moment, you're instead worrying about what somebody else is going to say. The best part of working on a project with multiple people for me is letting everyone do what they're best at, which I think yeah, as yeah, a creative, yeah. if you're listening to this, like it really does make the pro, I know you want to have a stranglehold, but it really does make the product better if everybody is, is able to do what they specifically are hired to do and are the best at. Speaking of, uh, would you like to play a game show? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is yeah. what I'm uh, the best at. So oh, yeah. I'd love to, <laughs> my time to shine. So this game is called Hypotheticals. You and Gabby are the contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask as many questions as you want. Uh, then you would tell me what you would do in that completely hypothetical situation. And then I decide if I like your answer or not. Just out of my own whim. So we will probably lose. So are there are there actual pride are there prizes? Do I do I get anything? Uh, you get a sense of a pr- <laughs> sense of pride. Okay, what's the first one? Okay, so our first game show is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Okay. You find out that your partner of fifteen years got transported into a graphic novel and had to defeat an evil villain before drinking a magic potion and returning to our realm. During this incredibly stressful two dimensional time. They had sex with five different characters from your favorite series. Oh, my God. Would you stay with this cheater who saved the world not once but twice during their quest? Wow. Okay. Greg? All right. Since, since you specified that it's two-dimensional, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to say yes because, to me, that means that it isn't real. It's like oh. a dream. And I'm not going to hold anybody's dreams against them. No, this was so, real. Uh, it was real. They were inside of a graphic novel. I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> two-dimensional. It doesn't feel real to me. Feels okay, like wait. Pen and paper. I'm, I want to stick on the part where it's five of my favorite characters. Yes. But that's going to take away the joy of me reading those books. Or you now have, like, a shared experience with them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe. Well, what if what if they're characters that you wrote and they're all like uh, writer insert characters? So they're oh, all basically you. Oh yeah, no, what you if, didn't write this those, series. Oh, this I was written by your nemesis. <laughs> it was written by my nemesis. And that's why your spouse oh, no. got sucked into it. Wow. Oh, I mean, no. I think we're also ignoring the part where they did save the world twice. So, okay, I feel like okay, I would stay with this cheater. Fine. That's good because you're about to get sucked in. I, wait, it's now we both have no, to do it? You're going to get sucked in and you're going to have sex with 10 of your favorite characters. That's so fun. Good for us. But your uh, your wife does leave you when you come Aww. back. Aww. So, okay. So, so Greg went into a comic book uh-huh. and then got left by, by his yeah, partner. Yeah, because when you're doing your quest, you kind of like... You have a lot of flaws. And you don't text as much. Or you're just like, you're not really the hero they want you to be. Oh, okay. Maybe I was drawn by an artist they just don't like that much. So maybe they didn't even read it. You know what I mean? Maybe they bought it and just left it in their stack, didn't even read it. They got a free copy. Aww. (laughs) My spouse didn't even read the comic book I was supernaturally (laughs) sucked into. And that's why you should support local creators. Okay? (laughs) Okay, our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child illegally pirated all of the Marvel movies and sent copies to all of his friends so they could watch for free. You do nothing to punish them. Are you a terrible parent? Wow. Yes, yes, you are a terrible parent. Why? Pirating, well, well, because, because the, because I actually work for Marvel. So, 
<laughs> Honestly, I don't think pirating. I, I, I have strong feelings about pirating. I understand all the arguments, you know, like blah, blah, blah. But fundamentally, it comes down to creators getting screwed. Um, yeah. And also people, who, and, and you know what? People say, oh, I only par- pirate Marvel. I don't pirate Boom. They don't make those distinctions. They're, they're pirating everything. Um, I'm going to get like, you know, like now everybody's going to hate me. But I, no, uh, no. I do not think pirating is good. And uh, so I would punish my child, particularly, okay, particularly if this person didn't just, you know, like. like okay, they didn't like, watch it once. They gave it away. They gave it away. They distributed it. <laughs> but are yeah. they Robin? Are they are they a socialist hero and a Robin Hood for our time? Maybe. Or, but this is my thing: is that are you taking money from those below the line people, like the crew? How is the crew going to get paid? You know, they don't get paid in residuals. Uh, they don't below the line no way okay i don't know i'm just trying to see like where the actual little man is you know (laughs) what i mean who's the actual who's the actual person getting screwed and i guess it's the creator so terrible parent (sighs) okay they can download it once and we can have a movie night where all their friends can come to the house but then they can't keep downloading it and giving it away right after we delete it that's strong but firm that's good thank you Good, good parenting there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Allow, letting them do just oh, a little no. bit of illegal activity. A small crime. A small crime. Okay, our final <laughs> game. Would you lie or tell the truth? You find out that the local superhero in your city, in this reality, your city has a superhero. Okay. Is actually a robot created by the government to uplift morale. When interviewed by the local news station about being saved by said superhero who is really a government robot, do you lie or tell the truth? This uh, is a tough it, one. That's going to depend on whether this, like, is this a fascist robot? Is this, like, an authoritarian robot? Who is, no, it's a superhero robot. Like, like, what kind of superhero? Is this a superhero who is parroting all the, uh, all the you know, like, anti, you know, whatever uh, rhetoric? Yeah, is it a of, xenophobic a robot? <laughs> is it a xenophobic robot? It's not a xenophobic robot, but it is, it is anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I will absolutely ah! tell on it. Oh my god! I'm gonna tell on it. Allison, your brain is so like you. You should. You, some of these should be movies or comic books or comic books. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely telling on that dirty Nazi robot. <laughs> Oh, guess what? That robot's about to kill you now. But it's okay because right before it's going to, you get pulled into a graphic novel. <laughs> oh, okay, good. All right, good. We're, yeah. And there, apparently there's there's uh, there, there are 10 people I'm going to have sex with in this graphic novel, too. So right? it seems pretty great. Yeah. Works out pretty well, except your wife leaves you. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Forgot about that part. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about you and your work? All right. Um, I am. My website is gregpak.com, G-R-E-G-P-A-K.com. I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my username there is gregpak, G-R-E-G-P-A-K. I'm on Patreon. I have a website there where I write about writing comics. So oh, if you're great. interested in learning about writing comics, you can back me on uh Patreon and my username there is also Greg Pock. And then finally, I'm on Instagram and my my username there is Greg Pock Picks P I X. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This with this is our first like big deep dive into comics since I've I've written oh, cool. my my one comic, which makes me an expert. <laughs> um, so thank yeah. you so much. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about bucket lists and not that movie with Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics. X, 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 I don't know why I dance when this music happens. Nobody can see me. Well, you only dance for other people. I dance for myself. <laughs> Would you say that you're dancing on your own? All the time. <laughs> Would you say it's a party for one? Yes. I. Lo- oh, my God. Imagine if you just dance for other people. I dance just because I want to be dancing. And you know what? That's the best dancing of all. Would you say you dance like nobody's watching? Yes. <laughs> Even when a lot of people are, in fact, watching. <laughs> um, so we're supposed to talk about bucket lists. 
Are we not going to? Yeah, I'm like, you we're, said supposed, we're to. supposed to talk about bucket lists, but I want to talk about drugs. No, um, what is on your bucket list? See, here's the thing. I don't have one. I know. So it made me, so Tamika, our producer, suggested this topic and it got me thinking because I was like, I don't have a bucket list. And then I was like, do I even want a bucket list or will that just put like undue pressure on me to accomplish goals? <laughs> and I hate accomplishing goals. Well, also, I'm pretty boring. Like, Are you? I don't. My goals are like things I can't control. So therefore, putting them on a bucket list is useless. Yeah. Like in terms well, of like. what ca- about like a vision board? But like career stuff. Like I, I don't want to put career stuff on my bucket list because no. I can't control if anyone wants to make my book or give me a TV I show. I think or- a bucket list is for career stuff. I think like a vision board is for career stuff. Okay. Right? Honestly, and you're going to yell at me, but the only thing on my bucket list is marrying Jake. I know. I'm not going <laughs> to yell at you. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure I knew that that was the only thing on your bucket list. And I think it's because and this is so weird and morbid. Okay? If one of us dies, okay? I want us to have been married. Really? Yeah, like Why? I want I want us to have taken that step and to have been husband and wife and like had that sure. union. Are you going to take his last name? No. <laughs> You're like, what? That what would be 1965. Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'm like, what if I go to his funeral and his girlfriend? That's fucking oh, insane. Oh wow, that's um, so funny. <laughs> I like that you're like trying to see what hierarchy you have at the funeral. Not even hierarchy, but just like I feel like we're at a place in our relationship where I just I want that. I want. Well, you're allowed to, to present that to the world. Yeah. I want that to be who we are to each other because you know I've had boyfriends before but I've never had a husband right and and Jake you want Jake to be your husband that's very sweet yeah so that's my whole bucket list. that's amazing oh, and 100 dogs and 100 dogs yeah 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 I uh I mean I guess a career bucket list it would be like let's say I mean it's not career but like if you bucket list was like when I'm older I want to like have a bunch of foster dogs and I want to have like a dog sanctuary. You know what I mean? Like that could be something that you could like eventually strive towards. I do want to have an animal sanctuary. So there you go. That's a bucket list item. I would love to have a house. Yeah. And I, a pool. I want to buy a house, yeah. But again, sometimes I wonder with materialistic stuff like that, is that bucket list? Or like I don't want to be bummed out if I don't get it. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, a vision board I, I've seen friends who have vision boards and, and it helps them focus on, like, figure out what they want to focus on. It's not necessarily like, if I don't do it, then I'm a failure. Because you can't, people do take it that way and you can't. Mm-hmm. It has to be that, like, this is what I want and this is what I'm working towards. Um, but if I don't get it, like, that's okay. Yeah, I think I've just shifted into, like, being okay with my current situation mm-hmm. instead of, like, focusing on, like, what can I change? What can I enhance? What can I, you know, cause anxiety? Yeah, yeah, or like it just makes me, it makes me like appreciate less what I have now. But like, Mm -hmm. like I love my apartment; it's great. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, if someone wanted to give me a house, I'll take it. Right, if they pay the taxes. But like, (laughs) you know, I don't know. There's something about like, oh, I gotta check this off this list that feels harmful to me potentially because I'm a driven person. Because I don't need motivation like that to get my work done or do what I want. Yeah. Yeah, I think me too. But I also, like, I had, like, a – the only thing I could think of is that I definitely had, like, like a sexual exploration bucket list Mm. that I feel that I've met. Like, (laughs) like, there's – which I think is sort of funny because, like, there'll be, like, things where – now, like, I'll be out or something and someone will, like, want to hook up. And I'm honestly, like... I've I'm, done that. Check. I'm like, yeah. Like, it's been checked off. I'm 31. Like, in my mind, I literally go, what could you possibly show me that I haven't seen before? Like, nothing. So, goodbye. Like, I have no... Like, but I think, like, me five years ago would have been like, there's so much to explore. Mm-hmm. And me now, I'm just like, oh, please, play me another one. Have you used a sex swing? Yes. Oh, how was it? Fine, creaky. (laughs) I don't have, like, you're not going to find, like, it is truly, so, like, or at least anything I'm interested in. So, like, I feel, like, done. Like, I, this, this, and maybe that also is just aging, but, like, this desire to be, like, oh, my God, there's so much I have to do before I die, I've, I've met it. And, weirdly, most of it for me was sexual. (laughs) And now it's done. Yeah. So, it's more for me, like, how can I just enjoy this life? Versus, yeah. like, how do I achieve these things? Right. 
Um, I want to travel. Have, I was going to say, do you have like travel places yeah. on your bucket list? Well, now everything is shut down. But I Let's pretend. Okay. That we'll be allowed to leave the country again. Sure. And our homes. Oh my God. I mean, what? Well, here's the, you know what it is? I would love to, I would love to make enough money to buy my parents a house or be able to buy my parents. Like I would want, mm. maybe like a bucket list thing to me would be, I often daydream about like buying them a place. Yeah. Um, like very far away from your place. Yes. I, in, in absolutely in Iceland, but uh, <laughs> definitely a house. I love you guys. Just kidding. They listen to every episode. I want to try. I would like very much. I've never traveled to Asia. I would very much like to go to Asia. I, I had this whole thing in my head about like, I want to go to, to Tokyo very badly. So like I have, I have a lot of things that I want to do, but they're not like on a bucket list. I want to meet a monkey. You've never met a monkey? No. You love you would love that. Yeah, I'd love to meet a monkey. Um, How come you've never met a monkey? Couldn't you go to the zoo and meet a monkey? You don't get to touch him. What about the primatologist we had on? I've been too embarrassed to contact her. Ask her. No, I'm too embarrassed. She could you could definitely shake a monkey's hand. That'd be so cool. Um, I guess I want to go to like Sweden. That'd be fun. And Greece. Yeah. You look pained. Yeah, like I just like I don't I don't like have to go there. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I would go there and that'd be cool, but it's just like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have like... Yeah, there's no like driving, you know, like there's no... I've been to where my, where my grandmother grew up. I've That's been cool. I've been to France and Belgium, so I, I already went. I was in the middle of a, a manic episode, but mm-hmm. I think it still counts. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there's like definitely stuff that I want to do. So like, right. So like you getting married to Jake, like there's definitely stuff that I want to do like with my partner or like that I want to like achieve or have in terms of like having worked hard enough to make a nice little life for myself. I want to help people. Mm -hmm. I think like it'd be really cool if I could do if I could like when I'm older open something that would like help LGBTQ youth. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to have enough money to like open kind of like a shelter or something. Um, There's stuff that like I have in my head that I want to do. Yeah. No, I guess I definitely have things that I want to do. But it's not like lo- eat it's, squid. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's not like, oh, I, I don't want to feel like, oh, if I don't accomplish this one thing, then I'll yeah. be so bummed out. And, I, and then I've died. And then I've failed and died. Yeah. I think I just like spent so much of my life miserable. Totally. That now that I'm not miserable, I'm just like, my bucket list is to just like not be miserable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, how do I just have more days where I'm happy than like not? And that's my focus. Yeah, there's absolutely career stuff that I want to happen and and that I'm trying to do, but most of it is like in the pursuit of trying to do some sort of greater good. So it's not really like if I don't achieve this, I haven't done my bucket list. It's just like striving to try to like do the most good in a world that is crumbling (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like the ability to even like to me and this is gonna sound so weird but like i i I want money to be able to make sure that like if something happens to cheyenne if something happens to whatever i I, like have the money to do that Mm -hmm. more so than like i need to have a bunch of money so for what (laughs) i um i have one what I would like a dog that likes to swim. Oh, I think that would be so fun for me. Yeah. That's my one. Okay, so my bucket list is now marry Jake and get a dog that swims. Yeah. And that feels, both of those feel achievable. achievable. And like something I'll probably get to do. <laughs> I, I want to have a pet rabbit, but I feel like people don't like that because they smell. Um, but if you have a pet rabbit, tweet me. Yeah, how, I want how a is pet it? rabbit so bad. How is it? My mom says I can't get one. Why do people not want us to feel the joy of having a pet rabbit? I don't know. It's pretty rude. Maybe if we put it on our bucket list, we'll have to let us. <laughs> <laughs> Tamika, come on in and tell us your bucket list. I have on my bucket list mostly like experiences, like um, I feel like I'm trying to satisfy like some inner child. <laughs> uh-huh. Ooh, like what? Like what? So growing up, we didn't have very much money. My mm-hmm. family doesn't travel. We're from Missouri, uh, like a landlocked area where you can't see like large bodies of water. Like no one has really been anywhere. So mm-hmm. as a kid, I thought it was kind of awesome to see people on TV in places like New York City, mm-hmm. seeing like the ocean. Mm-hmm. So my bucket list was built based on like experiences. So seeing mm-hmm. the ocean was one. 
going to New York City was another. Um, have you accomplished those things? I have. Um, I was about to be like, if you haven't gone to the ocean in like, Los we're Angeles, take you we're right about now. to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I still haven't seen the Grand Canyon. That's got a. Ooh, the Grand Canyon. That's another cool. one. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Never been. Really? Don't care. No, I mean, Why? like I'd like to see it, but again, not. I don't care enough to put on my bucket list. It's pretty cool. Just a hole. It yes, but it's like beautiful rocks and nature and like spiritual stuff. It's and there's nice. donkeys, right? You can ride donkeys. Yeah, cool. I like the idea of feeling really small, like understanding that you know you're just a person and this is the world. Mm-hmm. Like even seeing like the giant redwoods is yeah. uh, mm-hmm. something that I think is going to be a great experience. That is a lot of nature based bucket lists. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> cool. It's cool to recognize that you are just one part of a larger system yeah. that's, you know, that's been around long before you and it's going to be around long after you. I just find it kind of astonishing. So those types of things are on my bucket list. I like that. I think you'll be able to do it. Yes, totally. I believe in your bucket list. Oh, I know. You. Yours is more tangible and achievable than ours, I think. <laughs> no, I, I can think find Al- a dog that swims. That's exactly. true. Yeah. Thank Allison's you. are totally realistic. <laughs> I could get a bunny. <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, what was your favorite part? My favorite part um, or was when you- we both clapped about sex not being yes. key in the movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, when we you got up on that. Break. That soapbox and you gave your speech. It was beautiful. What was your favorite part? I felt that I nerded out pretty hard with Greg. (laughs) And and I hope the conversation is interesting to people. I think it will be, but it's definitely the most like, I don't know what the word is, like niche nerd conversation we've had maybe. Yeah. I I hope, I mean, I hope that it's interesting to people who aren't even, um, who are, who read comics maybe, but don't uh, have any insight into like what the world of it is like, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you find it interesting to me? Yeah, I mean, but I'm a nerd. I like. Yeah, you like that shit. Yeah, my dad had boxes and boxes and boxes of comic books when I was growing up. So I grew up reading uh, really old school comics. Tamika made an anime reference in A Bad With Money script one time and I, I was like interesting layers upon layers are unfolding <laughs> um so I found the conversation really interesting I don't know if it's because I like comic books mm-hmm. but I thought it was also interesting because you guys got pretty deep into storytelling and mm-hmm. creativity and expanding your mind for a medium so hopefully it's an interesting conversation to people who um also aren't nerds like us yeah I really enjoyed thinking about Darth Vader in a different way See? And isn't that kind of a metaphor for empathy and humanity? Absolutely. Star Wars, it has it all. (laughs) Except for gay stuff. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) What do we rate the episode? I rate it um, uh, 11 out of 10 uh, clapping for the definition of sex. Mm. Tamika? 7 out of 5 great minority characters in comic books so necessary totally i'll go with 13 out of 12 bunnies yeah i I mean i i don't know why people think that they're any harder to take care of than a cat you can't you can't potty train them well but how does a cat know to go in a litter box they learn they know but a bunny, you can't. That's just what my mom told me, like, literally a week ago when I said I wanted one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. And our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Support local creators. Buy from indie presses. Buy local comics. Support local artists. Sex. Wonderwall. <laughs> Stitcher. 